0: All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here, age relives fond memories of the past. I'm oh, a real boy. You want box? I got twenty. Ten thousand years will give you such a crick in the neck. We got This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Once again, I am here, your host, for 30 minutes of Disney conversations in a podcast form. Folks, I am really excited to be here. As always, I'm always happy to talk about Disney. Christmas season is here. Christmas is like two weeks away from when I'm recording this, and it's crazy because I barely have my tree up, and Christmas time is like right here. So, I hope you have your tree up. I hope you're having a great holiday season thus far. And, of course, Christmas will be here and then New Year's, and all of a sudden it's 2018, and it'll be cold and everything else. So uh, the time is passing so quickly, but I'm glad you're going to spend the next 30 minutes or so with me to help you pass the time a little bit talking about magical things. Uh, Of course – the Magic of Dollar podcast brought to you by MyResumeLady.com and produced by Clay Shaver, the host of the Remodeling Clay podcast. And my name is David Dollar, your host. You can find me on Twitter and all that good stuff. You know what? We're going to get to all that later on in the show. We'll maybe put that at the bottom of the show because, folks, we got a lot to talk about. There's, it's, it's really crazy because sometimes I do this show and I'm looking around and I'm like – I don't really have a lot of news, and what am I going to talk about? How am I going to fill 30 minutes? And if anybody, if you know me in person, that you know I could talk for 30 minutes about anything, whether you want to hear that or not, that's up to you, but I could talk about anything. But then sometimes I get the show together, and I'm like, man, we got this and this and this, and I got notes and notes, and I got, let's talk about that, let's talk about that. And it's crazy because I think I got I to gotta cut some stuff out. This show's going to go forever. So you know what? Let's just get right to it. How about some world news tonight? Do, 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 do. Do to do, do 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 some quick hits real quick. First of all, uh the Olaf Frozen Adventure short before Coco is being removed. Now if you go see the movie Coco, I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I talked about Coco, the gave you a review of the the, the movie. It's a fantastic movie. Um, but I neglected to talk about a 20-minute short film before the movie. Now, in traditional Pixar style, what they usually do is they have a Pixar short, a Pixar produced short, like Piper. I think was the one that was last year. Piper is a little bird running on the uh running on on the beach, which was just phenomenal. I mean, it's a incredible, incredible thing, incredible little short. I think it won the Oscar. I know it was nominated. I could, I think it won the Oscar for best short film. I I could be wrong. A short animated film, whatever. Um. But they usually do that, and so you kind of go to these Pixar movies with an expectation of you're going to be wowed watching something, um, watching something with a uh, uh, with a Pixar short. And one of my favorites is called Night and Day, and it's basically it's one of the best shorts I've ever seen in 3D. It's it's visually it's amazing. You can probably find those on YouTube, and I know you can find them on on uh, on Blu-ray and DVD and such. But this time Disney decided, hey, you know what? Let's put a a, a Olaf short, a Frozen short, before Coco. Now, when I say short, that's kind of stretching it because it was a 21 minute cartoon. This is something that probably could have been and should have been and probably will be uh, broadcast on regular television You know, over the holiday season. It's basically Olaf trying to find holiday traditions, Christmas traditions for Anna and Elsa because they don't really have any traditions because, as the Frozen movie shows you, they grew up apart. They didn't really get together towards the very end of it, and when they kind of reconnected as sisters – so Olaf is trying to find holiday traditions for for them and for him and for the whole village. And so that's that's kind of the gist of the short. It's a cute little short. There's a couple of songs in there. I don't remember any of the songs, so it's not that it's to me it's not that memorable, but it's in there. Well, Disney has decided to remove it because people were complaining. And they they were complaining simply because you take twenty minutes of previews, you take a twenty one minute short, suddenly you've got forty one minutes of filler time before the actual movie starts. So if you go to an eleven AM Saturday morning movie with your children, you're actually not watching the movie Coco. Until like eleven forty-five or eleven fifty, and people were trying to. People were not happy about that. Plus, you remove the short, and you can put an extra show of Coco sometime during the day because you've actually saved a lot of time over the course of the day, which is another idea. Um, Now, Disney has come out and said that they had always planned to remove this short before Coco. They'd always planned to only have it a certain time, and and then have the movie just the movie by itself. And there is some rumors that maybe. That Disney would have left it on there if the feedback had been really, really positive, and it's not that people hate the short. It's just they don't like a 21-minute cartoon before going to see the movie they want to go see, and there's also this rumor out there too, rumor, not substantiated but rumor, that Disney wasn't sure about Coco. They weren't sure about the making of the movie, so they thought, well, you know what? Maybe if we put something Frozen there, that will draw people to the movie, and so they'll go see Frozen, the Frozen short, and they'll see the movie Anyway, all that is to say, they are removing the short. If they haven't already done it, they will do it very, very soon. So if you want to go see Olaf's Frozen Adventure, go see it before you go see Coco. Go see it really, really, really soon. The Turner Classic Films at Disney Vault is opening up again. Turner Classic Films and the channel and Disney have a, um, have a, a partnership where every now and then, a couple times a year, they do kind of a, a weekend – Or a day where they do The Treasures from the Disney Vault. Film critic Leonard Malton, one of the most heralded film critics in history, kind of hosts it and everything. And this month's showcase for December will show a wide array of Disney classics for the whole family to enjoy with animated shorts, feature films, action movies, uh, documentaries, nature films, and made-for-television movies. So the schedule basically goes – I'm going to run through these real quick. um, December 20th, starting at uh, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, you'll get to see Mickey Mouse and the Brave Little Tailor, a Mickey short. 8.15 comes on the story of Robin Hood, and 9.45 is the sign of Zorro. Now here comes two or three that I didn't know anything about. 11.30 p.m. uh, Eastern, Toby Tyler is going to premiere. Uh, 1.15 a.m. Tricks of Our Trade, 2.15 a.m. is Pete's Dragon, and 4.30 a.m. is a movie called... Fuzzbucket. Bucket. Now, let me kind of give you a little insight here. What exactly some of this stuff is. Fuzz Bucket is a 1986 film directed by Mick Garris and produced by uh, John Landis. Actually, um, about uh, about a family and one one of the kids' invisible friends named Fuzz Bucket. Which, the, the, if you Google this and Google image it, you'll see a very troll-looking character at the very beginning. This is almost like a Harry and the Hendersons, if Harry the Bigfoot was actually kind of short and Ewok trolly-looking. I've never heard of this movie, but I'll be honest with you. There's a chance I probably watched it in 1986. Who knows? But that's coming on there. Uh, Toby Tyler is a movie produced by Walt Disney Productions from 1960 based on the 1988 – I'm sorry, the 1880 children's book Toby Tyler. Um, The subtitle is Ten Weeks with a Circus by James Otis Kaler. I know nothing about this book. I know nothing about this movie. But I do know that it's from 1960. And finally, uh, the other movie that we were discussing here, the um, uh, Tricks of Our Trade, is a Disneyland short, Disneyland special that came on back in the 50s. Whenever Disneyland was kind of doing their weekly specials and and weekly stuff for for Disneyland with Walt Disney hosting, um, this is kind of a Tricks of the Trade behind the scenes of what exactly goes on between uh, uh, you know with Walt Disney and Walt Disney World, not Walt Disney World, excuse me, Disneyland. I always get them confused when I say them out loud. With Disneyland Tricks of Our Trade, it's a documentary, just kind of behind the scenes stuff, which. I'm guessing in 1955 would be extremely fascinating, and now would be extremely fascinating, too. But that's all going to be on December 20th, 2017, starting at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Mickey, uh, the Brave Little Taylor, The Story of Robin Hood, The Sign of Zorro, Toby Tyler, Tricks of Our Trade, Pete's Dragon, everybody knows that one. It's the old one, not the new one, and Fuzz Bucket. Now, Bob Iger... He's the chairman of uh, and the CEO of Disney, and he is looking to stay on. Now, let me kind of give some background to this. Bob Iger's been a part of the company for a long time, and he's really saw the company through a lot of things, through a lot of changes up and down. He kind of saw the, he's seen the company through the acquisition of Star Wars and through Marvel, which has been a big deal. That's a big, big deal. Uh, came in sometime after Michael Eisner left in the early part of the uh, early part of the 2000s. Um, so he's he's been vitally important to. To, to the Disney company, to Walt Disney Company. Now, he's kind of said he was going to leave, I think, in 2015. He kind of pushed it off and said, you know what, I'm going to sign a contract and stay a little bit longer until 2019. Uh, well, now it looks like he might stay on a couple more years because, as reported a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't break this news. It's been all over, but I talked about it extensively. A couple of weeks ago, Disney and 20th Century Fox were looking to make a deal where Disney would acquire the back catalog of 20th Century Fox, including a lot of their a lot of their properties, including a lot of their uh, a lot of their stuff. Basically, their uh, the the uh, National Geogra- National Geographic Channel, the Sky Network, which is an international channel. But you can get some of the uh, some of the other bigger cities as well. Uh, the, the Channel FX, a lot of the properties, including Alien, including The Simpsons, including Predator, including uh, The Planet of the Apes, Romancing the Stone, Cocoon, Man in Black, all of those properties. Uh, $60 billion deal. A couple of weeks ago it was happening, and then the deal was kind of dead. Well, then we got the word that Fox was talking to other companies, including Comcast, which owns Universal. And uh, now the word is that Disney and Fox are back on. So I kind of liken it to... Kind of liking it too. You're at a party and you see a very pretty girl that uh, that 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 you like, and you want to talk to. But you think to yourself, you know what? Maybe I'll go find somebody prettier. And you see that pretty girl talking to another guy, and you think, you know what? No, I I'd like to talk to that pretty girl. So that's kind of how I see it with Disney and Fox. The, the Fox is the pretty girl. Disney's like, you know what? I am going to talk to that pretty girl because I don't want her talking to that guy. That other guy being, of course, Universal. Uh, we don't want. We I personally don't want Universal to get those properties because I need those properties to come to Disney. Of course, included in those properties are the other side of Marvel: X Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool, things like that. So, so for a nerd like me to know that Disney Marvel would have their hands and their rights to X Men and all of that is is amazing. It's, it's incredible. It's an incredible thing. If you want to know that whole story, go back a couple of episodes where we talked about that deal, and I can kind of get in, I kind of get into it over there. But um. Bob Iger looking to stay on past, uh, past his contract extension date or contract date, looking to stay on into 2021, 20, 20, something like that to kind of see the transition over. If, in fact, this deal goes through, it's getting close, and it's a it's a mega deal, and and here's why. It's a $60 billion deal. When Disney acquired Star Wars, it was something like a $5 billion acquisition. When they acquired Marvel, it was like a $4 or $5 billion acquisition. When they acquired um, uh, Pixar, it was like a $7 billion acquisition. So you're talking right now about a $16 to $17 billion set of acquisitions combined versus a sixty-six zero billion billion with a B – dollar deal for disney to buy and acquire these fox properties and this fox back catalog and so on it's a big deal too because Disney, starting their own streaming service they're going to be i say competing against netflix it'll be another streaming service alongside of netflix and other ones as well and they'll be removing their movies from from netflix in the near future and it's going to give an entire back catalog of fox 20th century fox uh, uh movies to go into the streaming service to be have access to and don't forget The original Star Wars trilogy, Star Wars 1, 2, and 3, or I guess I should say episodes 4, 5, and 6, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Those were actually all part of 20th Century Fox. So Disney wouldn't only just have the rights to them. They would actually own those properties, okay? Now you think to yourself, well, Disney owns Star Wars. They do, but 20th Century Fox had that original trilogy, and they still had the rights to it. So they could kind of issue the the reissues and do the DVDs and so on and so on. I think they cut Disney a check, or maybe Disney cut them a check for the rights, whatever. Disney would now own it. They'd be in charge of any of the reissues. They'd be in charge of any of the 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 you know putting it back in the theaters or doing anything with the movies or whatever. They would own it outright, which is awesome. So it's a lot of wheeling and dealing going on there. So uh, a lot of things happening there with that. But uh, I think that's pretty cool. I'm really excited about that, and I hope that deal goes through. I've heard people talk about, well, maybe Disney's getting too big. It, to me, it's just it's it's them buying what's best for business, and I think it's a great idea. I love the idea, and I hope I hope it goes through. Let's look at some Disney history. Now, this has been kind of a sad week for Disney history because in one week we lost three – big, major Disney stars. Of course, the first being um, on December 15th, 1966, Walter Disney. Walt Disney passed away at St. Joseph's Hospital of acute circulatory collapse, which was caused by lung cancer. He was known to be a heavy smoker. Uh, just 10 days after his 65th birthday, when the news of Walt Disney's uh, death reached Disneyland in Anaheim, a consideration was given to closing the park for the day, but they didn't want to do that because Walt would not have wanted to close the park for the day. So the flags on Main Street, USA, were lowered to half-mast. Um, Walt Disney would cream, was cremated two days later so the whole rumor about his head being frozen and for late, that's that's bunk it's, and if you think about it that's a really stupid rumor that's a really ridiculous thought this was like 1966 this wasn't like 2017 where maybe we could do something with that no so don't even that's that's a rumor anyway um so his 74 year old brother roy disney would postpone his planned retirement and start construction in florida on walt's latest project disney world so walt disney passed away before he was actually ever ever able to see Disney World come to fruition. He was helping out when trying to get everything planned and everything done. Um, His brother stepped in. His brother Roy, who was going to retire, stepped in and said, you know what, we're going to do this. And something kind of fun here, a couple of days before the opening, of Walt Disney World, and I may have mentioned this already, and so forgive me if I have already, but it's a fun story. So a couple of days before uh, Disney World was to open, and it was to be called Disney World, Roy Disney spent a whole lot of money, hundreds and maybe thousands of dollars, to go to the courthouse and change everything on all the contracts from Disney World to Walt Disney World. He wanted to make sure people understood this was Walt's vision. This was not just Roy and Walt and whoever. This was Walt's world. This was Walt Disney's world, not just disney world like it is disneyland you notice they don't call it walt disneyland or uh, walt disney's california adventure it is disneyland and walt disney world so i just think that's kind of cool um 1966 and a couple of years later i say a couple of years later actually uh you know somewhat maybe a couple of decades later we lost uh lillian disney uh on december 16th 1997 so one day and what 30 years um 40 years after walt died we lost lillian and she was the widow of uh she was the widow of uh, Walt Disney, uh, Walt Disney and I'm looking for my information here. Ah, here we go. 98-year-old Lillian Bounds Disney died peacefully in her sleep at her home in West Los Angeles after su- suffering a stroke the day before. Her husband Walt had died 31 years ago on a, on a day in the early morning of December 15th, 1966. So it was this whole week-long thing. And sometime later on uh, in 2009, on the same day in 2009… We lost Roy Disney, son of the Disney Studios co-founder Roy O. Disney, so it was Walt Disney's nephew. Um, he passed away at 79 at a memorial hospital uh, in Newport Beach, California. He was a businessman, philanthropist, a filmmaker, and award-winning sailor. He played a key role in Walt Disney Animation, basically bringing animation back from the brink. In the 80s, Walt Disney had some trouble in their early, early to mid-80s because they were not doing so well, and Roy Disney was kind of the primary reason they kept animation. When Michael Eisner took over, he was talking about getting rid of animation, and he kept Roy Disney on. Basically said, Roy, you take it, and you deal with it, and so Roy did. So without Roy Disney, we may not have the animation that we have now. We may not have gotten the Renaissance like we did with Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. And it's hard to say – it's really hard to kind of speculate and say, well, this would not have happened without that. We don't know that, but I will say it would be completely different, and Roy was also responsible. For helping to get the ouster of my uh, of Michael Eisner, folks, let me just tell you, and we're gonna we'll do an episode on this one day because this is fascinating to me. I love how this stuff works. The Walt Disney Company in the early two thousands was like a Game of Thrones. It really was. There was a hierarchy for power. Michael Eisner versus Roy Disney versus Jeffrey Katzenberg, who had left in the mid nineties, and there was this big brutal uh, battle between all of them. This egos were getting involved, or whatever. It was crazy. It was crazy, and I'd love to talk to you more about that. I want to tell you those some of those stories because it's nuts what happened. Um, but yeah, it really was like a like a, a Game of Thrones, thankfully without sore play and beheadings, but a Game of Thrones type thing. Or this 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 quest for power in the Walt Disney Company, and it was tough. It was really really tough, and they actually survived a hostile takeover around that time from Comcast. Comcast, who owns Universal, wanted to own Walt Disney World and wanted to own Disney. And I really wonder how that would have happened uh, if if you know they had taken that on. But anyway, so there you go. Week, uh, kind of a sad week in uh, uh, in history for those now. Looking at the movies, Bedknobs and Broomsticks came out this week in 1971. Uh, once again, it's a movie that, uh, guys, I'm sorry, I just I haven't seen it. I want to. I really do. I want to, but I haven't seen it. Starring Angela Lansbury, David Tomlinson, and Roddy, Mac- Roddy McDowell, opening in U.S. theaters. Of course, it's about an apprentice witch, three kids, and a cynical con man searching for the missing component to a magic spell useful to the defense of Britain in World War II. Never see it. One day, I hopefully, I will get to it at some point. Um, 1992, Walt Disney Pictures releases The Muppets Christmas Carol, which is the fourth feature film to star the Muppets, but the first one distributed by Disney and the first one produced after the death of Muppets creator Jim Henson. In the year 2000, in the year 2000, we saw The Emperor's New Groove come out. Um, it is the 40th animated feature. It's uh, following the adventures of an arrogant teenage Emperor Kuzco, Voiced by David Spade and a humble peasant named Pachka, voiced by John Goodman. Um, of course, Kronk is also uh, is also a big part of this, and Kronk, everybody loves Kronk. This is a fun movie. I saw this for the first time, I guess, last year. I'd never seen it before, but I really liked this movie a lot, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, If you've never seen it, I I recommend checking this movie out. I I think that if you haven't – this is one of those I think it would be easy to get by or easy to miss because it wasn't as hugely popular as a lot of other movies, but uh, it's a big deal. 2009, The Princess and the Frog, produced by Walt Disney Animation Studios, and based on the novel The Frog Princess and, of course, the Grimm Brothers fairy tale The Frog Princess, comes out. It is the 49th animated feature in the Walt Disney Animated Classics canon and it's the first one of 2D animation since 2004's Home on the Range. They had a period of time there where they did a lot of kind of 3D animation and computer animation. So this is one that was hand-drawn. Um, Princess and the Frog kind of, in my opinion, it really kind of kicked off the golden age of of Walt Disney animation and Walt Disney uh, movies because we had that. And then, of course, the next year we had Rapunzel, and Rapunzel was huge. And the following years we had um uh, you know, Zootopia and Rick and Ralph and Big Hero 6 and Moana. So I really think this second golden age, this, this second renaissance of Disney animation, was kicked off by Princess and the Frog. Some uh, little important milestones as well, which is kind of fun. We saw um, Pirates of the Caribbean was opened in 1973 this week. And... Uh, Opened for the first time. People got to go on the boats. And this is, of course, without without John uh, Jack Sparrow, who would not come around for a long, long, long time. And in 1989, Star Tours opened its doors at Disney MGM Park. It's the first attraction to open in the Hollywood Studios MGM backlot annex area. Based on the Star Wars franchise of the movies, it's the third version of the attraction, which they had at Disneyland in 87, and they had it at Tokyo Disneyland in 89. Anyway, Star Wars Tours opened up in 1989 at uh, Disney's Hollywood Land Studios slash MGM, back as it was known. And finally a little little fun nugget for you in 2003 this week they put sick bags on mission space it was the first attraction at disney world with sick bags and i and i'm not kidding about that there are sick bags and if you go in there now and you sit down you put a little harness over you you look in a little console there where you kind of put your stuff there are little bags there just in case you have to throw up and people were getting sick on it um Precious space is this 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 attraction at uh, Epcot, where you get in and you quote unquote fly to Mars, and of course you know crazy things ensued. You fly through an asteroid field and so on and so on. Um, it's a lot of fun, but it is a little it's a little intense because you legitimately are going on a centrifuge. Now, since then, they have built another side to it. Uh, the the green team, which the intense one, is the orange team. The green team is a motion simulator. So if you You know, if you don't feel like you want to go on a centrifuge, then maybe go on the motion simulator, which is still a little rough, but not as bad. Uh, If you go to the county fair, and and I'm sure that a lot of us have done this. If you go to the county fair and you get on the ride called the Gravitron, where you kind of lean back against the thing and it kind of spins around really fast. And, like, the seats slide up a little bit and you kind of find yourself sliding up because of G-forces, that's what it's like. It's like that for for several minutes. So, um, anyway, patient Space put in sick bags this week in 2003. All right, folks, it is the Christmas time, the Christmas season, and I, your host of the Magic in the Dollar podcast, am here to help you find what you need for your Disney fan in your life. Now, I came up with some things, some kind of a, kind of a Disney gift guide for you guys because I want to kind of give you some ideas of, you know, well, maybe if you're looking for some, uh, some some things to give for people, maybe some things that you want to give for the Disney lover in your life. You know, and maybe you have a little bit of money to spend. Let's—I want to kind of give, on one spectrum, some some higher-priced items that maybe you want, might want to purchase, and maybe some lower-priced item ideas for you. But let's talk about the higher price first. And if you wanted to give your Cinderella fan a a Cinderella Castle sculpture by the Erebus Erebus Brothers, it's limited edition. Um, it is a it's a detailed and hand enamelled metal with a set of twenty-eight thousand two hundred and fifty-five Swarovski crystals. It's a Disney collector's dream come true. Okay, it's it's um encrusted in all these crystals. Each stone is hand set by the Erebus Brothers. There's fine artists. It's handcrafted, hand enameled. There's only 50 of these that exists. It has a certificate of authenticity. It arrives in a custom metal case. It's about 20 inches high, about 12 inches wide. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of sculpture. And you can get this for the low, low price of $37,500. You can only buy 10 of these, by the way. If you go to shopdisney.com, you can see this under collectibles. $37,500. In case you want to get one of those, it is available to you if you would like. You like, and you're thinking, you know what? Maybe that's not what I really want to, really want to do. Um, what if I did something for maybe the the Disney fan in my life that kind of likes the horror stuff? Well, what about a Tokyo Disneyland audio animatronic head? It's basically like a head that you would see it on audio animatronic robot in Disney World. It's just a head, so you can get this creepy head, put it on your shelf from Tokyo Disneyland. It's only going to cost you fifty-seven thousand. $500. I mean, that's that's cheap, right? That's that's fairly cheap. Now, for the Elton John lover in your family, hashtag my friend Melissa Thomas, uh, who is a good, um, good, big fan of Elton John. Her quest is to meet, her, meet him. By the way, she has a book out called Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I want to give her a, a quick shout-out. She wrote a book about her quest to meet Elton John. Um, she's gone to like 38, 39 concerts by now, and her quest is to meet him. She's sat at his piano. She's shaking his hand, but she's never actually had a formal meet-and-greet of him. She's getting there, but the book is called Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Just shout out for her. So if you're an Elton John fan, you can actually get a statue done by Elton John from the Mickey Mouse statue. Now, this is kind of cool because back in the day, during Mickey's 75th anniversary, they put together this, uh, this, this thing where... Artists would come, and they would basically create and, like, design Mickey Mouse statues. And these statues are, like, six feet tall. So they're, they're not little short statues. These are big statues. So they were going to put these things together, and um, they would sell them off for charity. People like Ben Affleck was coming. Actress Ming-Na came. Jennifer Garner did one. This is, like, 2003 maybe, 2004 or something like that. And Eldon John did one. He did a statue, and Mickey's kind of six feet tall. He's got piano keys on his ears. He's got really Crazy sunglasses. And he's got piano keys on his, um, on his shoes. And it, it's it's you look at it and you're like, you know what? I can see that. I can see that being Elton John. So Elton John, um, uh, he created the statue, and you can get it now. Okay, it sold it at an auction recently. Let me just say, after the uh, the 75th anniversary uh, was over, was done. They've done celebrating. They took all these, they split them up into like three or four groups. They put them across the country for viewing at different museums and stuff. And then they kind of sold them off for auction. Um, the latest one for latest price for the Elton John Mickey. So for the Elton John Mickey fan in your life, you can get that. Now, if you're kind of curious, some of the other ones. Ben Affleck actually did one. And his sold for about $9,500. He kind of did one as a baseball theme. Um, John Travolta did one called The Jet Setter. It sold for about $3,200. Uh, Jennifer Garner did one called Undercover, Mickey, Undercover Ear Mickey. Benefiting the Elizabeth Glazer Pediatric AIDS Foundation. Her sold for 3000 She kind of had it like, decorated like a like a, like a spy because this is alias. Back when she was doing alias. Dave Koz is a saxophonist. He did his in a musical style. It sold for $18,000. And um, Elton John's, of course, sold for around $55,000. But recently it sold again for $62,900 dollars. So that is the that's 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 a great Disney gift I think. I think you really should get that. I think it's something you should look at and you know, for the Disney fan in your life. Now, if you're thinking you're my Disney fan collects more of old style stuff, kind of traditional stuff and Kind of traditional memorabilia. What about some plush animals? Uh, Charlotte Clark was the first person to ever design a doll based on Mickey Mouse back in the '30s. Okay, so she designed a Mickey and Minnie Mouse, and it's 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 this beautiful doll, and it's an old style Mickey, old style Minnie. If you look at them; they don't look anything like this now. But these plush dolls, uh, they are they're very charming. They're very impressive by modern standards. Um, in fact. They sold at a recent auction for $151,524. So I think that's something that you could probably look at there for the Disney fan in your life. If you're thinking, you know what, I'd really like to get something. I have a little bit of money to spend. What about the uh, the, the Pirates fan in your life? You love the Pirates of the Caribbean. We talked about it opening up in 1973. $129,000 will get you a Pirate of the Caribbean genuine statue audio-animatronic used on the ride in 1967. It's a valuable auction item for Disney fans. I don't know how you can turn this down. And, of course, if you have old VHS items, I found one here on Etsy. Um, this lady, this woman, uh, lady woman I don't actually know who she is, to be honest with you, or who he is. But anyway, um, they are selling their Disney VHS clamshells, uh, the big cases. They're all unwrapping. You get There's, what, 30 of them? Pinocchio, Sword in the Stone, The Rescuers, Fantasia, The Fox and the Hound, all first edition, all masterpieces. Um, she's selling these for the low-low price of $100. Thousand dollars now. I don't know what it is about some of these that are classic because I have some of these old ones. I kept some of the old ones, but I don't know what like what's special about the case. I don't know what's special about these first editions. I have no clue. So maybe I'm sitting right now on a box uh, in my closet, you know, that are fifty thousand dollars worth of a, worth of Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin tapes. Or maybe they're three dollars in the open market. I have no idea. Um, but anyway, so there's for the Disney lover in your life. If you decide, you know what, I'm going to spend some real money on these people, on my 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 friends and family who love Disney. Now, if you're thinking, you know what, Dave, I don't think I love my family that much. I love my Disney lovers. I love my Disney fans in my life. Maybe I'm not a big fan of Disney. Maybe I am, but I don't know that I want to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a VHS tape. Not sure I want to spend one hundred fifty thousand dollars on a Mickey Mouse doll. And I really don't know if I want to spend. Uh, $65,000 on a, a an Elton John statue. Love Elton John, but I'm not sure I want to spend that much money on. It. That's okay. Let me give you some some more affordable Disney options for the Disney lover in your life. If you go to shopdisney.com and look up search the term Her Universe this is really cool. Ashley Eckstein is an uh, is a is an animator, and she's also a voiceover artist. She's done a lot of stuff in terms of Disney, uh, Star Wars Rebels, and Star Wars cartoons and things like that. She's voiced a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of people, uh, a lot of characters in those. She's very popular around the cons and everything. I've met her a couple times. She's very sweet. She actually uh, voices uh, Ahsoka Tano, who is a very popular character in the Star Wars lore. Um, you know, the, everybody's wondering, the real Star Wars nerds are really wondering if she'll ever make an appearance, uh, if Ahsoka will ever ever make an appearance in a Star Wars film uh, on the theater. So we'll see. But she created something called Her Universe, which is what she called Geek Couture. And it's really a brand of of... Uh, of women's clothing based on Star Wars, you can get a stormtrooper stormtrooper designed pullover sweater, a Chewbacca vest, which is kind of fun, a BB-8 skirt, so it's like a poodle skirt, but it's got BB-8 on it. Um, there's a Darth Vader cape coat, is a Porg sweater, a Porg P-R-G, it's a little character you're going to see in the Last Jedi movie coming up. Um, they've got cardigans, they've got ringer tees, a, an ad- ad, a poodle skirt, which is kind of fun. Now some of these run anywhere from fifty, sixty, seventy dollars, as you would expect. It's, it's kind of a boutique, kind of a boutique item, but this is kind of fun, and you know, not really. Uh, That expensive when it comes down to it. So that's something to consider. If you have a Walt Disney fan, also go to Shop Disney. And a lot of these are going to be on Shop Disney. I will get to some that aren't on Shop Disney in a minute. But uh, a lot of these will be on ShopDisney.com. That's Disney's official Disney store online. You get a Walt Disney and Tinkerbell Magic Band. It's, it's, It's purple. It's got Tinkerbell on it with a black and white photo of Walt Disney. I love this. I want this so badly. Um, I'm not somebody who wants to pay a lot for things I can get for free. If you stay on property, you can get a magic band for free. Um, If you are off property, you can buy a colored magic band for like $13. So I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, why do I want to spend 30 bucks on a magic band that I'm going to get for free because I'm staying on property? At the same time, I have a Star Wars magic band, and I love this one, Walt Disney and the Tinkerbell magic band limited release. I think it looks great. And it's only twenty eight dollars, you know, plus tax. And so I think it's something that I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll jump into that. I don't know. But that's just an idea for you as well. Shop Disney also has the Cars Cozy Cone Alarm. This is kind of fun. It looks like a, looks like a, like a, like a traffic cone. Um, and one of the characters from Cars, I think Luigi's in there, and it it's, uh, kind of slides in and out. And they've got, got the little clock on the top. And so for the Cars fan or just something kind of fun, uh, it's going to cost you about 60 bucks on Shop Disney as well. Um, but it's really, really cool. The, uh, the character pop, pops out, Luigi pops out, and goes beep, beep, and um, comes out the door three times to greet you. The radio dial goes through the channels, and it has this kind of sound. So it's clock radio. It's, it's fun. Uh, Moving away from Shop Disney, go to Hallmark.com and you can look up the term itty bitties. I T T Y B I T T Y. Itty bitties. And this is their little form of collectible plush animals, collectible plush figures. Now, Disney has something called Sum Tsums, And let me spell this for you T S U M T S U M. Sum 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 Sum. So it's. Soom Tsums, and they're kind of little plush stackable characters, and they're based on everything from Marvel to Star Wars to Mickey and the Gang to Aladdin to just anything Disney property. They're all they're Tsums Um and I'm sure there's other Tsums Tsums as well. But you know, you can find these a lot of them. They're three or four, or five dollars. so are not that expensive. Now the itty bitties are slightly different. I prefer the itty bitties. I think they're a little cooler. Actually, they're kind of little plush dolls. They're kind of like bowling pin shape, where they have a wide bottom where they sit with little beans on the bottom with a big head. When I'm looking now online, you can see – I'm seeing Captain America. I'm seeing Moscatana, which is uh, from Star Wars. Uh, there's Mickey Mouse right here. Here's Holiday Donald Duck with a scarf on. I see an Olaf. Uh, you can buy for $40. the a Mickey and Friends holiday set with four of them. And these things run anywhere from $6, $7, $8 a piece on up um, depending on what you want. They're a lot like the Funko Pop figures, the plastic figures in the boxes. Um, and they come in the, they come with a special tag and everything. And I have a friend of mine who has like 30 of these. Um, he messaged yesterday. He has the flu, and yet he showed up at a Hallmark uh, before it opened to get in to get a collector's special edition, uh, uh, itty bitty because they wanted their first collection. So itty bitties are something you can look at as well for the Disney lover in your life. Uh, Disney pins are a big deal too. And I'm a big, big pin collector. I have got thousands and thousands of pins on bo- and books and on boards in our hallway. Um, these are the little Disney pins you're going to see on lanyards and stuff. And if you just go to eBay, type up Disney pins, you're going to see them everywhere. And if you don't know a lot about Disney pins, you can get overwhelmed because, Frankly, there is a lot of Disney pins out there, um, and you know what? Let me know Magic on the Dollar podcast at gmail dot com. I'd be happy to walk you through the pin stuff because I'm a big pin collector, and, and maybe we'll do an episode on that one day too about collecting pins. But go to uh, Disney Park Merchandise, Disney Parks Merchandise dot com, and you can actually find pins there. Go to eBay, type in, let's say your favorite character is the genie from Aladdin. Just type in Disney pin genie. You're gonna find a dozen or two pins that pop up that will tell you you know which pins. Genie pens from Aladdin you're going to be able to pick and select whatever so those are kind of fun too if they're a pen collector. Um, so those are kind of some fun ideas for you there uh, for your Disney fan in your life some things that you may or may not want to pick up here. Okay I also want to throw out here too that Disney is actually taking some of their, uh, some of their stuff from extinct attractions and putting them on auction. And they're quietly doing it because no, they don't really like to do this a whole lot because they don't want people to buy them and make a huge profit selling, selling them on eBay. But they're doing some of this now. Of course, we know that that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Mission Breakout is a brand new attraction in Disneyland, which I've heard it's phenomenal. I want to get out there and do it one day, but I've heard it's great. Um, but they took away the old Tower of Terror in order to put in order to create the the Mission Breakout for Guardians of the Galaxy. Now they're selling a lot of the props from that as well. So if you walk in, you see the the lobby elevator floor indicator prop, which is kind of the thing with a little dial with the numbers on it. That's going for about two grand on auction right now. You can get the. Um, You can get the kind of big bookcase there that's behind the counter and stuff. That's like 2000 or so. There's candlesticks. About a thousand each. The the library television prop on the on one side that's kind of over in the corner where they show the TV. It's about six hundred dollars. Um, and these are obviously these going to be a little more expensive. And, and I say all this in jest with the earlier stuff because I don't know anybody who's going to spend thirty seven thousand dollars on a Cinderella's Castle. Um, but these are kind of fun to think about, kind of fun to look at because um, you know they're selling like six or seven hundred of these lots of memorabilia from 50, 1955 on up. Uh, in upcoming auctions, and so this is some big stuff. So you can kind of Google this out and kind of look at it and see some of these auctions and find out maybe get a piece of of memorabilia. I will tell you a story. There's a place down in uh, in Orlando called Theme Park Connections. I think there's I think they still have a store there, um, and they sell Disney merchandise, Disney memorabilia. Um, people go in, they sell their stuff, and I'm sure the cast members would probably put a five finger discount on it and taking some of it home with them. But they they uh, they they will purchase this stuff and they resell it for to to collectors. And I go in there, and it, for me, as a Disney fan, I, I'm just overwhelmed. I, my mind is blown because I'm looking at all these things. There's rows and rows of magazines and books and things like that. There are – there. I saw um, for $700 you can actually buy the the original Blueprints. For the Pop Century Disney Resort. So this isn't just stuff you can buy off the shelf that somebody resold. I mean, this is the blueprints for the Pop Century Resort. There are parking signs. There's cast member signs. There's a there's one that says, you know, the if you look on any Disney attraction, there'll be the three little circles that has a guy sitting down and a guy standing up, or whatever. And it's telling you not to stand and not to whatever. Those are there. I saw those for sale over on the corner. There was this huge wooden ap- apparatus with a door on it. Like I kind of walked over and kind of walked in and looked around and whatever. It is one of the boats from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. When they redid the ride many, many years ago to add in Jack Sparrow, that was one of the boats. It was like 900 No, it was close to $1,500. And I was thinking to myself, just for a second, I thought to myself, could I buy this and where would I put it? it like, it was a consideration. Just for a moment, it was a consideration. Theme Park Connections is amazing. I mean, they're and they think about other stuff too from Universal and places like that, any kind of memorabilia. Um, they have this, this glass case full of like movie memorabilia actually from different movies. Just for this, for doing it, I almost purchased a napkin that was used in the movie Soul Plane with Snoop Dogg for $10. I kind of feel like it would have been $10 well spent, but I'm afraid I would have lost it between there and getting home. But they have all kinds of fun stuff in there, Theme Park Connections. You can actually find them online as well. So... So there you go. There's your holiday gift guide uh, for Walt Disney fans, for your Disney lover in your life. You can buy them all kinds of fun stuff and kind of, you know, go there. Go what I told you to. shopDisney.com, DisneyParksMerchandise.com, places like that. Google some of this stuff up. You'll see pictures of it. If you really want the Elton John statue, let me know. I probably could try to help you get it. I think that would be kind of fun. So anyway, again, my name is David Dollar. This is the Magic Under Dollar Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, we are sponsored by MyResumeLady.com. My friend Amy Campbell and her team have been doing resumes for almost 10 years now now they're doing resumes they're doing marketing they're helping you with your linkedin profile they want to help you get a better job contact myresumelady.com go to the website uh, hit her up there look at the contact information look at the stuff that she does she's amazing what she does she's a wonderful person she'll treat you right she'll give you she'll treat you great and uh, she'll take care of you so myresumelady.com this shows Produced by Clay Shaver, who just released another episode of the Magic uh, Magic of the Remodeling Clay Podcast this morning. Uh, his show is over 200 episodes old now, giving you the best version of you. So I'm going to say thank you to Clay very much for helping us with this podcast once again. Enjoy your Christmas holiday season. We got more episodes coming up, more stuff coming up next week. Um, you know, as Christmas approaches, I hope you guys have a great week. And uh, hey, and don't forget, you can actually find me online magic on a dollar podcast at gmail.com you can also find me on twitter at disney on a dollar find me on instagram at magic on a dollar Uh, find me on facebook facebook slash uh, facebook.com slash disney on a dollar that is our business page and magic on a dollar is our uh is our fan community we're putting some fun stuff up there as well and of course i am a certified Disney travel planner. I actually have been certified by Disney to help you with your Disney travel planning, and I would love to help you folks. Give me a give me a holler at one of those in, one of those pieces of contact information I just gave you, or email me at magicatadollar at gmail.com. I'll be happy to help you out. I'll be happy to walk you through your vacation. Try to help you get down to the parks. Try to help you save some money. Get your fast passes done. Get your dining done. And guess what? If you stay on property, I don't charge you a thing. I don't send you an invoice. I don't say you owe me money. I don't say anything else. I just help you plan your trip. You pay the exact same amount as if you did it all by yourself, except you've got me as your virtual Disney assistant to help out the whole time. So that is dollar at gmail.com. Once again, my name is David Dollar. This has been the Magic Under Dollar Podcast, our 10th wonderful episode of this podcast. Have a great week, and don't forget to thank a Phoenician.